Hey, we have um, a lot of decisions that are made in the month of December. Like, let me let me just throw this out there. Today, I, I've no, if you have a program, go to the back because I'm talking about Christmas choices. Now, how many of you are already done shopping? Just wave at me. Oh, any is there anyone in here who hasn't started? Oh, help us, Jesus, right now. We're going to start a small group uh, together. That's crazy. Well, today's your day or tomorrow, right? You have lots of time. Get out there. It's fun. But choices, what am I going to get this person or that person, or am I going to get that person a gift? And then how many of you do this? Are they going to get me one? Because if they get me one, I should get them one. But then if they don't give me one, decisions. How many of you already made some decisions about food? Okay. Okay, I'll come to your house. Okay. Food. That's always a big deal. What are, what are we having? And if you have family coming to your place or if you're going to their place, Christmas parties all month. How many of you have been to at least one Christmas party already? See, probably multiple. I've been to multiple parties. And then, it, and then you make decisions about your budget. You kind of go, well, how much can we spend, you know, on, on should we draw names? It's, it's decisions. And what do they want? And I don't know what to get them. They're hard to buy for. Anyone have that going on? You know, and then, and then will I travel or not? All those things are part of the Christmas story in the beginning. They're all part of the story. And it's no wonder that we have so many choices that we have to make because originally that is part of what's going on in this story. So I want to talk about the choices that we make around Christmas and how that impacts us for the rest of our lives. So, so Joseph and Mary had a challenge. They were in the will of God. They had determined to be together. There were some good things happening with them. But I'm going to pick it up in Luke chapter 2. If, you have a, a, if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to just jot down is this. How will I respond to the demands? All of us have demands on us right now. I mean, have you just driven around our community lately? You know, uh, It's demanding. It's just a lot of people out and about shopping and it's a great place to live, no doubt about it. But there are demands. So how will I respond to the demands, the budget, the time, the issues that we just talked about? In Luke chapter 2, it says this in verse 1. Follow along. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. This is very important in the Christmas story. So, so think carefully about what's happening here. Because Joseph was a descendant of King David, next four words, he had to go. And I want to emphasize that. He didn't just want to go. He was forced to go. He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He had no other option. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Now, if you want to look at the big picture, 30,000 feet up, let's just go up there for just a moment. So here we have Caesar Augustus. This was the Roman emperor. His first name was Octavianus. And he was the nephew of the great Julius Caesar. Many of you have heard that name in movies and stuff. He obtained this empire after Julius died. 
And he took on the name Augustus. That wasn't his real name, but it means honorable or great. (laughs) So he named himself great. That's what he did. As a matter of fact, he changed one of the months of the year. It used to be called Sestilus, and he changed it to August after his name. That's why we have August as one of our 12 months. It's this guy, this guy. And I was born in August, so I don't know to be grateful or not for him, but... He made a decree that said you need to go to your hometown to register. And for Joseph, that would mean Bethlehem. Here's the issue. They did not live in Bethlehem. They lived in Nazareth. Nazareth was 60 to 70 miles away. And and they couldn't just hop in a car or get on the train. Okay, they had no transportation. Why did all this happen? What's going on in the big picture. I mean, how do you respond when the government tells you what to do? Do you love that? Oh, this is what you're going to do. This is how much you're going to pay. What if they were telling you you had to go to a certain place by a certain time? You know, would you resent that or would you just joyfully say, yeah, that's everything I've want? I think our independence, especially in this country, because we're used to it, and we, are, we get kind of a taste of that freedom and independence. And, but I think it even starts as a kid when you're sitting at the table and your parents say, you will eat that. I can remember, how many of you have memories of that? My dad and, and my mom, for some reason, bless her heart, she thought she should feed us things that people said were good for us, like boiled Brussels sprouts. Now, you know, even as a kid, that they are evil. You know you, don't, you, you can discern this by the Spirit. The minute you smell them, you know they are not good for you. Now, I know Brussels sprouts now are like the big thing. Every restaurant, and I look at my wife and I go, you're ordering those, aren't you? She's like, yep. I'm going, keep them over there on your side of the table. <laughs> but my, I mean, how many of you have some things on your list, like things like lima beans? Yeah, oh man. How about liver? Okay, that's been a highlight all week. Liver was bad. It's like, oh man, you're going to eat good for you. It has iron. Yeah, it has iron. Oh, I'd rather lick an iron knife, I think. Oh, just terrible. Terrible. Thank God we had a dog. I mean, thank God, you know, there's good in the stories like this, you know, and you're like learning how to sneak it down, you know, and And all the kids, we had five, all the kids are fighting for who gets the dog, you know, there were, I have four sisters, so it was a big deal, but but question, does God ever use demands in our lives to bring about his plan, whether we want to or not? I promise, Joseph did not wake up excited one morning and say, Mary, we get to go to Bethlehem while you're nine months pregnant. You can walk or ride a donkey. How fun will this be? Ladies, no. No, it's not going to be fun. But here's the problem. There's a prophecy in Scripture that said the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. Just ponder this for a moment. Is God the one putting it in Augustus' mind to call for a census because it's the only way to get Joseph and Mary 
back to Bethlehem right at the time of the baby's birth? In other words, does God actually control the events of our world? Does God actually have a say in the order of things with leaders and politicians that don't even claim God exists? It's worth thinking about. Because this story couldn't have happened and that prophecy couldn't have been fulfilled without them going to Bethlehem. I promise you, they did not want to go, but they went. Matter of fact, Joseph knew nothing. He didn't say, Mary, it's the fulfillment of prophecy. This is worth doing. He didn't know that. He had no idea. 2,000 years later, we would be talking about him. But that's what happens when you give your life to God. God has an order and a place that is beyond what we are able to see. There is a bigger picture that we need to believe God for. You say, well, I don't understand. Of course you don't understand. It's a God-sized picture. And his 30,000-foot view isn't always clear to us, and we don't always know it. So number two in your outline there, will I trust God when it's difficult like this? It's a big question. I don't like it when it's difficult. I like it when it's easy. I'm a microwave guy. As a matter of fact, we had to buy a microwave lately, and you know what? They've stopped making some of them where you have the one, two, three, four, five, six, that it goes to that minute, and you actually have to put in like one, one, one to get one minute and 11 seconds. And I'm like, no, I just want the one for one minute, the two for two minutes. If I need a minute 30, I'll hit the two and take it out 30 seconds early. <laughs> How many of you are with me on that? It's logic. It's just logic. It just makes sense. But here's what happened in verse 5. He took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now, ladies, you'll love this. What's the word? Oh. That just hurts, doesn't it? Obviously, pregnant. Boy, I've learned with pregnant women, you just ignore it. You just don't say, how long are you pregnant? You just, I don't want to do a Jeff Lucas when it comes to stuff like that. You know? <laughs> and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Man, alive. When I think of eight or nine months pregnant, it's a 60-mile trip by foot or by animal. And Joseph and Mary were absolutely, positively right in the will of God. Have you ever said, I don't really want to be here? Maybe it's exactly where you need to be. You wouldn't choose it, but God's worked hard to get you there. What is your Bethlehem? What is your Bethlehem? That place you don't want to go, that person you don't want to see, that, that meeting you're avoiding. Where is that place that God might need you to be that you would never, ever choose to go? And when it doesn't go your way, do you just have a big pity party? You know, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever been around a powder? You know, my parents never let us pout. You're pouting. Stop it. Okay. How do you just stop pouting when you're pouting? I don't know. But I love this quote. When you have a pity party, Satan brings the balloons, cake, and ice cream. <laughs> Boy, how true that is, huh? I don't like it when things don't go well. I remember one time we, we were so excited. We had saved money for two years. 
to take our kids and waited for them to get old enough to remember the trip to Disney World, okay? So our, our thought was, as a family, we, we're going to splurge one time, make sure our kids can remember it because the chances of getting back down there, it's so expensive. Oh, my word. And so we saved up. We said, we're going to Disney World. We went down to Florida. We are so pumped. We sprung for, for reservations in the Disney Hotel, which is expensive. I mean, it was terrible. And this is a long time ago. It wasn't near like it is now. And we get there, and we're in line with all the families and kids, and they have these fun things they're doing with the kids. We have three kids, and they're, they're lined up, you know. And we come up to the register, and I say, man, we're so excited to be here. And Northrop, and they punch it in, and they go, can you spell that for me? I'm like, yeah, it's R-O-P on the end. Everybody puts a U, no big deal. And, yeah, I still, I still don't see it coming up. You're not in our system. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm in your system. <laughs> I'm in your system, baby. Come on. And I, I, I just remember kind of freaking out in my heart, pounding. And, and I said, um, well, I have my confirmation number right here. You know, I handed it to them. And they go, you're right. It is. It shows that you're supposed to be here. Someone else got that room that you're supposed to have. I don't know what happened. They checked in earlier. And I'm like, oh, what are we going to do? And they said, let me, let me just call a manager. So they called a the manager down. She was really nice, helpful. She said, don't panic. We're going to take care of you. That calmed me. Can, can I just tell you something? If there's a problem with something like that, be nice. If you are nice, they will be nice. If you are mean, you're gone. <laughs> and I was just nice. And, and, and this lady was so sweet. She said, here's your keys. We're all set. We go up to the top floor, and it's a suite. <laughs> and I'm like, the Lord provides. <laughs> the Lord provides. <laughs> Kids, let this be a lesson to you. Oh, man, I was so excited, and we're walking around that place and all this room and all this stuff. That didn't happen for Joseph and Mary. And if they would have said no, sorry, go find another hotel, would I have said, oh, children, God is going to show us the way. We're so excited. Man, I sound like a southern preacher when I do that. They're not complaining. You never see in Scripture that they're, they're complaining. You know, what kind of a reserve do you have in your soul, your spirit, man, that when life is tough and you're where you don't want to be, that something in you still has a rock-solid faith that God has not made a mistake? And you're not wimping out on your commitment to God. But instead you're saying, I will still believe my God. I don't like it. I don't want it. It's not what I've chosen. It's not what I could foresee. But I believe God has a plan. Some of you are there right now and you need to hold on. Hold on to what God's putting in your heart. If you've ever said, I really don't want to be here, this would be the moment for you to say, God, show me why I'm here. Show me why I'm here. There's a plan. There's a reason. Don't ever wonder where God is. He is with you even when you don't see or feel him. Number three, will I determine to do the best that I can? Sounds kind of like a cop-out statement, doesn't it? Well, just do the best you can, honey. It's actually a powerful statement because the best you can do is the best you can do. If you're committed to do the best you can, then... There's nothing else left. Verse 7. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. This is not her plan. This is not what she had. 
She laid him in a manger. What's that? It's a feeding trough. And no, it wasn't like an Amazon order that's all padded and nice. This manger was probably used in the morning feeding of an animal. So it's not romantic. Because there was no lodging available for them. They got kicked out of the lobby. They had to go find, most scholars believe it was like a cave in the side of a hill. Man, wouldn't you think God would help them out a little more than that? It's like, I'm having your baby. No, God had a plan different than theirs. This is all, so many prophecies about this stuff. It all had to come true. And when I look at this, I think, I think Joseph and Mary looked at each other a few times and went, okay, this is odd. We don't know what God's up to, but we still believe. We're still going to trust. And yep, we're going to have that baby. And Mary's saying, I think, it's, I think it's coming right now. Okay, then let's get in this cave. Let's make it happen. You do the best you can with what you have. And sometimes it's not what you had hoped for, but it's everything you have. What more can you do? And, and trust God. See, walking with God is not, oh, I see the path and I see the pot of gold. I'm running there. No, it's like, okay, I can take that step maybe. Oh, 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 then air, oh, oh, okay, I can do that. It's one step. It's one day. Sometimes it's an hour. It's can I make it through. Some of you are going into situations where you just need it to be minute by minute this week. God, I'm going to trust you with this conversation. I'm going to trust you when I walk in there. I'm going to trust you with that feeling I have in the room, whatever it is. God's got you there for a reason. Do the best that you can. Number four, what will I choose to remember? This story has a lot of ramifications to it in terms of memory. And there's a passage actually that I'm going to read to you that has to do with what you think about. What you think about. Your thought process is very important in your life. You will become what you're thinking. You will. You absolutely will. The patterns of your thought determine the patterns of your life. Don't ever forget that. Oh, it's just my thought life I love to imagine. and I'll, No. It's taking you to that place. Be it good or bad, it's taking you there. So what am I going to choose to remember? Let me just read in verse 15. Follow along, and then especially at the end. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, mostly because shepherds were nobodies. And the plan of God included the nobodies from the get-go. I love that about God. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought or pondered about them often. It's a contemplation type of a word, meaning she has all this thought, her mind is trying to filter it, and then it's like she lays back and goes, I'm, I want to think about all this. The shepherds, the wise men, the star, they're telling us that an angel talked to them, and they heard this choir that said, go to Bethlehem, and, and then our experience and how we're, she's thinking about this, thinking about this. And here's the thing I want you to see. Mary has an option of what she thinks about. Now, now, you have to do this in your own mind. I can't do this for you, but I'm challenging you. This is a very big challenge. We say things like, 
Do you see the glass half empty or do you see the glass half full? Don't we? Okay, which are you? Just in your mind, think and be honest. Maybe, maybe you should ask someone who knows you, tell you what you are. Was Mary thinking, oh great, I got pregnant without a husband. Thanks a lot, God. Glass half empty. All the suspicion. I mean, she was ridiculed, even later on in her life. Because she didn't have a, she got pregnant without being married. Joseph almost breaking the engagement because he didn't believe her story. This happened. If you read Matthew, I mean, we, we pack it up into a nice, neat story now. But Joseph made up his mind to break it off. After Mary had said, Let me, I need to explain this to you. And it's like, I'm pregnant and it's God's baby. I haven't been with another man. And, and Joseph says, okay, whatever. Let's get you some help. He's going to break it off. But what happens? Remember? He has a dream. He has a God dream and comes back and says, Mary, you've spoken the truth. She could have been bitter that he didn't believe her the first time. Right? But she wasn't bitter. But it could have been the long trip to Bethlehem at nine months pregnant. Really, God? Did you ever say that? Really, God? This is, this is your way? This is your way of helping me in this pregnancy? No room for them to stay in? Her promised baby in a dirty cave, laying this baby in a, in a feeding trough of an animal? Or what I think she thought of was a visiting angel that told her she was blessed to have God's child. I think that's the glass half full. I think she was rejoicing that God did give Joseph a dream and that he fully believed her and was marrying her. The trust in God that she would take this journey to Bethlehem, not understanding why, but knowing it's a part of what she's going through. The amazing story of the shepherds and, and Joseph and all that would happen there. The full knowledge that this was Jesus the Messiah. If there's one person on the earth that knew the truth about Jesus, who would it be? Mary. It would be Mary. She's the mom. And I think she pondered those things in her heart. Can I just say, the things that you ponder and long for better be holy and right because you might get what you wish for. Take captive those thoughts and make sure you're thinking on the right things. Let me just give you a few observations really quick here. Now, these are things that are obvious in the story, but it, it's worth saying them to just have some takeaways. Number one, life is not always easy. You can really be in the will of God and have a tough up road hill. And some of you really need to know that today. They were in the will of God. This was the plan for them. And it was very difficult, very trying, very taxing, very expensive. It was a challenge for them, but God was with them. Will I do everything God asked me to do? Number two, my choices determine my future. My choices, absolute, my choices today absolutely determine what my future will be. Teenagers, I hope you'll really listen to this. You make decisions every day that you think are just for now in this moment, but every decision you make impacts your tomorrow and the next day. 
And for all of us, as adults, regardless of age, decisions you make today will impact your tomorrow. Pay attention to making really good decisions and good choices. That's why I've called this Christmas choices. Joseph and Mary made good choices. They obeyed the will of God. We are here celebrating because of the good decisions they made. Number three, God has, I don't like this one, but I think it's so true. God has a long-term plan, not a short-term fix. God has a long-term plan, not a short-term fix. I, I really, I like it when I see road crews patching, you know, pavement. And, and there's a lot of it in Colorado in the summer, rightly so, um, and I don't mind it. I'm appreciative that they're fixing this stuff, right? But sometimes after so many years, they have to just rip it all out and put a whole new foundation under it. And it just, it just, it just has to be new because it's just not repairable. I think, I think sometimes we like a short-term fix, but God says, no, we got we to gotta rip all that old stuff out. We, gotta, we have to start over. And God's not interested in just the little repairs to patch you up. God is interested in renewing your mind. He's interested in letting you have real new life and new beginning and forgiveness of your past where you are clean from it. You are free from it. And you can walk with a clear conscience and you can trust in God. I'm a fixer. You know, how many of you are fixers out there? So it's like we see a solution. I think we can get that done in a few minutes here. Let's, let's get this done. But sometimes God isn't that way. Let me just throw this out there. It's an interesting thought. Jesus leaves heaven. He's always been part of the Trinity. So he agrees to become an infant through the seed of God to go into a womb, Mary's womb. What's it like to be fully God stuck in a womb for nine months when you've had all power for anything and everything that you could even imagine. And, and, and there's, it's debatable, scholars, well, he, he was just developing, he chose to be flesh and blood, so he's not in there going, oh, can't wait to get out. But what's it like to be willing to be confined when you're fully God? And then 30 years before he even starts his ministry, 30 years. That's a lot of patience when you have the power to snap your fingers and make it all happen. So sometimes waiting is a part of where God has us. You've experienced rejection, some of you. Heartache, pain. Your story is compelling. Disappointment. God is not interested in a quick fix for your problem today. Hear this sentence. He is interested in walking beside you through the problems of your life for the rest of your life. Big difference. Last thing. Pastors say that to give you hope. <laughs> and then it's ironic. My point is we must never lose hope. We must never lose hope. This is absolutely the truth, you guys. Hope is the thing that will get you out of bed tomorrow. It's the thing that will give you energy to face your day. Don't ever lose hope. And I think God is the author of hope. When you put your hope in him, you don't always know what he's going to do, but you can know he is working in your behalf for a good reason. Let's pray together. Lord, 
this story is a story of hope. Thank you that we have it. Thank you that it's real and powerful. Prepare us even now to receive what you want us to receive from this message. Some of you right now, you just need to say, man, I I don't want to go to Bethlehem. What what is it? How, How many of you would just maybe lift a hand and say, my Bethlehem is in front of me, and I know what it is, and I'm, I'm not looking forward to it, but I need God's help to go there. Just lift up a hand. Would you let me pray over you? Lord, you know. You know the situation. You are a God who can heal and touch and minister and move. Bless them as they go to Bethlehem and give them the timing. Give them healthy decisions. Be with my brothers and sisters, Lord. Some have lost hope in this room but I just don't know what to do. Well, that might be the place when you just surrender and say, okay, then I really don't. I'm okay with that because I have a God who orchestrates kings. I have a God who has a bigger picture than I do, and I will trust that God. Some of you just need to hold on to that and say, that's me. That's where I'm at right now. Lord, I pray for those in that position they will trust you in this moment that you are God and they are not Lord let people choose what they ponder on carefully some of you need to reel back your thoughts you your plans the plans you're making in your heart are not the plans God wants you to be making what are you running away from what are you unwilling to face what is it that God would say I have a plan trust me Offer him your life afresh and anew. Lord, we trust you for all these complex things, and it's not easy. But we know we can trust you, and we are grateful for that on this day. In your name we ask it. Amen. (laughs) Amen.